Hey folks, do you love gourmet coffee roasted on site for a reasonable price? Of course you do. The Roll Call Room Cafe imports coffee beans from around the world and roasts on site for the freshest coffee. Check them out at 17229 Wayside Drive, Dumfries, Virginia, 22026 or rollcallroomcafe.com to order coffee. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. It is not the movement of the clock that produces the newness of life. It is the movement in your mind. You're going to hear all kinds of things said about you. Throw it behind you. The enemies that you see today, you will see them no more. No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. This is my time. Truth of the matter is, everybody in here is going through a change. You don't have to be ashamed of yours. We are all in the process of transforming a higher, better expression of myself. Let this be the year that I birth a higher, better expression of myself. Don't let the habits of my past stop me from this metamorphosis. New year, new me. New year, new me. What separates us is transformation. The possibility of change. The desire to evolve. The passion to get up off the ground and stop eating dirt. I'm I'm tired of doing what I used to do. If I always do what I've always done, I'll always be where I've always been. I'm going to throw it behind me. Somebody in this room that that nobody would think would be in a church tonight, but you drew them to this place tonight because you want them to be a new me and a new year and have a new attitude and a new mind because the real battleground is in your mind. That's where the fight is. You lay down with it. You get up with it. You go to work with it. You can't digest your food because of it. Smiling in front of people and nobody knows that there's gunfire going off in your head. It's not a geographical location. It's not debt. It's not money. It's not haters. It's not enemies. It's not liars. It's not backbiters. That's not the battleground. Stop wasting your weapons on what people say because it is not what they say about you that matters. It is what you say about you that threatens your destiny. You will never be defeated by what they say about you. You will be defeated by what you say about you. I dedicate this to you, to the greatness in you, and to the dream that you showed up on the planet to produce. And it's simply this. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, 
If all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, and if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, and if you simply go after that thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope and confidence, and stern pertinacity, if neither cold poverty, famish or gulf, sickness or pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim, you besiege and beset it. With the help of God, you'll get you it. You have greatness in you. What I'm trying to tell you, beloved, is that you can have a new year. But it don't mean Jack Diddley if you don't have a new mind. I'm telling you that you can buy a new car. But if you put the old man in a new car, you're still gonna have the old experience. I'm telling you that a new house doesn't make a new marriage. I'm talking about a new outfit doesn't make you a new person. And if you think you are magically gonna be a new person, I hate to be the bearer of bad news because new life comes from a new mind and a new way of looking at your life. I cannot step into the future and still think in my past. I cannot let the rumors and the stain of what they said about me destroy my opportunity. Slap somebody and tell them I gotta kill it tonight. I gotta destroy it tonight. I gotta get rid of it tonight. I gotta throw it behind me tonight. I can't drag that same old mess into another year. And welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast that pissed off shitbag Steve Commanders and cost my daddy his job and then pissed them off yet again with his number one book, Mental Health Barricade on Amazon. And now your host, my Uncle Mike and best-selling author, my daddy. Fuck you, Commanders. Up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, where we are very unprofessional. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me is the one and only city employee, a.k.a. Lazy. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Mike, how are you doing today? I'm going to screw up this. I'm going to screw this whole episode up just for you. Well, you're, you know you're right already now. doing it with your crappy Wi-Fi. So, um, no, it's not my Wi-Fi. It's I... not my Wi-Fi. So with me, folks, in studio is... Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. I really hate that song. Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. <laughs> like with a passion. I swear he does this to annoy me. Nicole. Nicole. All right, with me in studio is Nicole, uh, and I asked her to come back on the show because we have the one, the only, Bill Young is our guest today. William, 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 William. Yeah! (laughs) I was hoping I had my own theme music. I know, isn't it awesome? W-I-L-L-I-A-M. Well, no. At least he's dancing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I found this guy on YouTube that just sings people's names. And they, they, had, <laughs> they had Nicole and they had William. 
Um, nice. But I didn't have a time. I didn't have time to have my daughter record an intro for Bill because uh, she did uh, the opening for Bill's podcast. Fantastic, and she absolutely enjoyed making it. So, um, since you come on all the time, I'm going to have her make a special opening just for you. Um, I would have her make one for Mike, but we're really not. She's he's probably not going to last very much longer. I average one mic a year. <laughs> it's about that. I'm going to run. Yeah. I'm going to run for the hills. My, uh, I'm going to start my own podcast. My microphones last longer than my mics, so Aww. there's that. Um, so uh, I got uh, such a t- everybody's on. It's exciting. It's after Christmas. How was everybody's Christmas, Bill? Did you work on Christmas? I worked. Uh, I worked Christmas Eve. I have enough seniority to take uh, take some time off around the holidays, but I want that holiday money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so for years, because we shifted our holiday to fit my work schedule, uh, that's been our tradition. Tradition. So we do our Christmas actually on the twenty fourth, so then I can work Christmas and get that money. So I, I yeah. So I, I worked, but I was off uh, a few days before I worked, and then I then I've been off this weekend. I so. will tell you, I um, I commend your seniority as far as uh, working, because there's a lot of folks that they get like, I don't know, 20 years on plus, and they get this seniority complex and they just say, fuck the little guys. You know, they just like, fuck that. I've been on a really long time, Um, particularly not picking on anybody, but particularly detectives. Um, Sure. You know, they just they get to that level. They get that shield. And then they're all about fuck, fuck the little guy, you know, fuck them. And um, it's refreshing. I got to tell you, in the cockles of my heart, it's refreshing, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, well, Mike, Mike, Mike I, I assume you're speaking about Mike here, but uh, oh, no, <laughs> he, probably, he probably still enjoys the company of his family. See, I, I uh, small doses for me. My kids all hate me now, so they're all they're all teenagers mm-hmm. and above. And uh, and just small doses of dad is all they want. So oh. yeah, they they don't care if I'm here or not. Oh. Well, let me let me tell you a thing. I was uh, Christmas was going very nice. It was going it was going good, oh, good. Yeah. Oh boy, my son text my son was like, "Yo, can I have some friends over?" My son's gonna be eighteen. Yeah. So he had maybe about twenty kids, <clears throat> and uh, it's about eleven o'clock at night. I get this text message. Uh, lower the music. <laughs> That's what I get. Mm-hmm. Now, being the detective that I am, I know it's a spoof number. So I proceed to have a conversation with this person. And I'll tell you what it says. So first text is lower the music. <laughs> then I get, now this is me texting. Who is this? And then I put question marks. Oh, well, good detective work. Yeah. Good detective work. Who is this? So I go, have the fucking balls to tell me who you are, not to slow the music, you fucking put. <laughs> so then I write, that's what I thought you put. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have the balls to text me from your real number. Area code is New Mexico. <laughs> let me, so let me tell you in Spanish. And that's it. And and I get that's all I get. So I go to sleep and I wake up to another text message. Just lower the music next time. There won't be any problems. No need no need to blast it on Facebook. I'm just being a nice neighbor. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna ignore it. And then two hours later, don't make me come over there, you little bitch. I said, ha, and then you're lucky. So I'm like, come, why don't you come over? I'll turn the music up and we can dance. And then I said, don't threaten me. <laughs> what are you, a five-year-old? Your behavior, your behavior is very childish. You're going to act like a child. I'll treat you like one. Should I make coffee? And then it says, come change my diaper, bitch. <laughs> so then I say, oh, this is great. I love this shit. You're truly making my day. Please come over. We can have a beer and discuss this matter in detail. Like adults would. I guess that's a no. No, you don't want to discuss this matter? 
And then it says, okay, I'll come over. What time? Ooh. Now, bitch. I'm here. So what do I do? I get out. I fucking run to the front. I'm going to knock out the first person I see. <laughs> and there's no one. There's no one there. Bill's Bill's looking at me like, what the fuck is going on? I thought you were going to say you, you j- jaw jack the Amazon drivers. <laughs> right? So then I go, I go, that's what I thought. Not even an adult to come over and talk. And then the last text message I get is don't be a Steve. Oh. I turned around and I'm like, this is fucking Nick. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. I call him right away. And his, and his stupid, like, I want to laugh voice is like, hey, buddy. He was literally like a schoolgirl. Hey, buddy. Hey, I was standing next to him when you called. What is going it, on with you? I saw the what's, what's the matter? I go, don't cut the shit. Cut the shit. What? What shit? I'm, I'm over here making a, a, a mocha latte bullshit. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, you motherfucker. And I'm drilling him. He had me yelling at my son. I thought my son's friends did it. I was, oh, God. I flipped the fuck out. That's hilarious. I have witnesses. I have witnesses. My, I, I was from here. I went, poof. I was like, I was ready to go. I was ready to fight. I know how to push your buttons. Yeah, you well, buttons. it's not even. That's even. No, it's not. It took me 10 years to get you back, but I got More you. than 10 years. Be prepared. Be prepared. <sighs> well, you know something? Uh, we have uh, Bill on because I um, always like to have people on, and uh, we've had Bill on before. So uh, my wife purchased his um, second book, which is called The Nothing That Never Happened. And the uh, book came in. She was super excited about it, and um, she, came, she, she read it, and... Um, she handed it to me and she was like, you need to read this and nothing against bill. It's just, I'm not a big reader. Like that's why bill and my book is like really short because our attention spans are completely who we cater to. And those of you that are listening, you know, the reason why that this show is like 45 minutes to an hour, because after 35 minutes of playing motorcycle sounds and, and pointing out how much of an idiot Mike is, because, you know, your attention span is very short. I get that. So I was reluctant to read it and not because it's Bill, because Bill is one of my one of my friends. I was like, Ugh. and I gave like this face and, and she was like, you know, it would be nice if you read this to know what I went through and why I am the way that I am. Now, as a husband. That means read the fucking book right? is what it and means. Then, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, then it was like, fuck. Yeah, he didn't read the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is that I was like, all right, well, I got to read this thing. And then the other thing is, is that I have learned with this show that I have helped. A, we have helped a lot of people, a lot of people that are strangers that I don't even know. But then while my wife was struggling in the corrections field, I didn't use the skills that I had acquired to even help her. So that's something that fairly recently that that I've I've had to kind of cope with, which is is that I can help oh, tens of thousands of strangers, but here in my own home, and I pushed her to go back into the corrections field. I pushed her to go to the corrections field in the first place. She left, and then she went back, and I pushed her to go back to the corrections field, and mostly because, you know, as a spouse. You want the other person to kind of experience what you're going through and why you are the way that you are, but not even thinking that you're basically pushing somebody into a fucking buzzsaw. Um, I mean, is that that's an accurate? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I take the train in twice a week to go to go to work. I telework the the rest of the week. So, um, I'm on the train and I crack open the book and. I started reading the book. I was first chapter, second chapter, third chapter. I mean, I'm I'm in it. And I put the book down, swear to God, put the book down and I text message Nicole and I say, I'm sorry that I ever asked you to 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 go into this profession. I'm sorry that I I I pushed you to get into this toxic environment, this toxic uh leadership that we have and 
you know, I've never been in the corrections field. So for me, and your book is a book for correctional officers and their families, but if you're a spouse of a, a corrections officer, you, you need to read this because I can tell you how it is to be on the street. I can tell you how to go on some of these calls and I can tell you all this other stuff, but Bill, you do an incredible job, like really explaining. I mean, you're basically a work release inmate. You paint the picture. Yeah. Um, I, I there's well, that's a, and that's the difference. That's a, that's why I start the book saying, "Look, I'm I'm not a I'm not a clinician. I I haven't studied the behavior of correctional officers. I'm I am a correctional mm-hmm. officer. The, I, I when I write about a fight or I write about something, you know, an ill effect that's taken place. It's because I was there. I've watched my brothers and sisters, you know, struggle and quit and, you know, and just change over the years. I mean, so it's, 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 I can't give you the statistics, Nick. I can't say, you know, um, Oh, this diagnosis is this. All I know is that it's whatever this is, is ripping us apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, if we don't do something to fight it. So that, that's what I try to do. Well, and I could tell you is, is that the correctional field really does. They, they, they get a they, they get a raw deal in the sense that everybody thinks during police week and when PTSD, like uh, law enforcement, suicide and stuff like that, they don't really think about the corrections field. It's kind of like dispatchers. Yeah, they think it's a joke. Yeah, they think that you go in there and you just we're just babysitters. You're babysitters. I've yeah. heard it a thousand times. Yeah. And. And it sucks. I mean, I know me personally, when I would bring somebody into the jail or into booking, I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. Like, I just, it's not my cup of tea. Like, I just, I like dropping them off and leaving. I couldn't get yeah, I mean, feel like it's, it's skeevy. It's, it's, they're perps, they're perps, they're savages. They're, they're, you don't want to be there. Just drop and go. Let's you know, yep. get the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. But that's what you're ingrained to do though. That's yeah. it, that's what they teach you at the academy, and they shove it in your head over and over and over again, just to get you better prepared for that that type of mentality. You guys are on the streets, and we're on on the inside. Yeah. We're the ones for twelve and a half hours that have to use our IPC skills, and you know, really dig into why inmates are behaving the way that they are, and prevent things from happening to each other, to them hurting each other. It's a lot, like for twelve and a half hours, your your ears are constantly buzzing and ringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bill tells a good story in the book and I'm, I'm not going to give away anything in the book, but Bill tells a good story, which is, is that and I was laughing on the train when I read the story about you going over to your wife's friend's house. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she's a, she was a nurse and she, it was a, it was a EDP subject, emotionally disturbed person. And she, she was protecting their identity because like an HEPA HEPA. And it's, it rings true because, let me start by this. My, uh, Bill, do you even remember the person you were before you joined the correctional field where you can go in those those social settings and be semi-sociable? No. Yeah. It, Nick doesn't either. I don't either. And it's, <laughs> and it's interesting because Nicole and I were having this conversation yesterday uh, over dinner, which was... We're in a, we were in a profession where all we dealt with were the, the worst of the worst. And now we own a cafe where 100% of our job is customer service. Right. It's so fucking weird. Like it, Customer's always right. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> go always. that far, my friend. <laughs> no, customer's always right, Nicholas. Not no. in this cafe. It's not. Uh, well, not no. cafe. There ain't no free rides, Billy boy. Mm-hmm. No, but you know what? That and, that, and that's interesting because it, it, when I see like your posts and I see like the support that you're getting for the for the coffee house and 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 the people that come in, it all. I mean, without sounding too crazy here, I mean that that kind of stuff brings a tear to my eye. Like when I'm out and about and somebody reacts positively towards me or I'm around a positive environment, it's almost too overwhelming for me. Like it 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 makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's so different from what I'm used to dealing with mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, I said, I, I, I don't think I could ever work another job where I'd have to deal with regular people ever again, because I'm just so fried, you know? And I, you know, I thought the same way until we opened up this place. And I, the only, the only thing I wish about like the cafe is, is I wish that I can share the experiences of these, of the silent majority coming in here and patronizing the cafe and the accolades 
that the profession the profession gets that they don't hear about. Like the amount of customers that come in here and they're like, thank you so much for all the sacrifice and thank you for everything you've done. Thanks. It's breath. It's a breath of fresh air because you never get that on the duty uh, on duty, especially you guys in the correctional field. Uh, you know, at least on the street, every once in a while, every, very rarely you would get somebody that comes up to you and says, hey, thank you for your service. I mean, how often do you guys get in that in the correctional field? I could stuff? tell you from this last year, especially COVID hitting home, what I was, was I telling you the other day, we had an inmate that was with us for almost two years. Um, he got released. He every other weekend, he would come and drop off stuff at the front gate for the deputies for treating him with kindness, decency and respect. And, you know, he would drop off cinnamon rolls. He'd drop off, um, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. He'd drop, drop off Box of Joe's. He just went on Christmas and just dropped off some stuff, you know, for the security teams that took care of him, uh, you know, over the last year, treated him, you know, with kindness, respect. And yeah, this he actually, it's very rare. He even came into the cafe twice, dropped off um, gloves and uh, face masks. Mask. I got to tell you the story. So, I think Nicole, I don't know this dude. So I think this that Nicole's talking to like one of her classmates or former workers from the jail because they come in here all the time on the down low. And um, so she's talking to this dude. Right. And then like she brings him up to the register and he buys something. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, uh, how are you? And he's like, uh, he goes, do you know who I am? I'm like, oh, do you work for, with Nicole? Nicole out loud with a full cafe <laughs> turns around and goes, no, he was an enemy. I didn't say it like that. Yes, I didn't did. say it like yes, that. I said, <laughs> I said, this is the dude that I talked about that would always, you know, bring such and such every other week. She said, this is after he got released. This is the, this See, is the well, inmate Nick that is I like, told you Nick about. Nick is like, let me give him a, let me give him a, 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 a LEO discount. And I'm like, no. I was like, she, <laughs> did she have, a pair, she have a pair of gloves on too when she said that? This is the inmate I told you about. Yeah. Snap the gloves. Three fingers. The, the funny yeah. thing is, is that his wife is a nurse, uh, sure a is. charge nurse. So that's why he brought gloves and he brought stuff over because he was just trying to be nice. He heard that I had a cafe. He heard I left the agency because he, you know, he, he would come in and check. And I was responsible for him for almost two years. Um, so I, you know, I had that relationship with him or that bond with him. You know, I had to go to court for him. Um, yeah, that was just it was a funny. Story. It was just a nice thank you. Funny. You know, it was funny. So um, Nicole, what was the what was the most out of out of Bill's book, what was the chapter that you were telling me that really hit home the most out of all the chapters? I'm pretty sure it's seven. Okay. Bill, you remember that chapter? Oh, I have to look here. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't even know what the chapter names were. Jail is easy. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That's, that's the, uh, so, so the, the premise behind that chapter is that we're really well trained to handle the things inside, inside. Uh, I'm a rock star. I'm a, I'm a seasoned vet that people can rely on. I know how to, the inmates know me, but, uh, so, so handling the situations inside of work are sometimes easier than dealing with the situations at home, mm -hmm. the PTA meetings, the kids not taking out the trash, my wife, you know, yelling at me to paint the house or whatever she's doing. So we hide in work, right? So we, we just, we say we're working overtime just to provide for the family. And, uh, and then that kind of takes us down a dark path, but we do that because I mean, we become institutionalized, and and operating inside becomes easier than than operating outside. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that one thousand um, percent. Especially this year when you know COVID hit and happened, and you know you have to you, you have to watch where you're going at all times, even when you're out. So you feel like you're in a housing unit, even when you're at home, because you're kind of stuck home, and then you know you're there. And it's like it's like your safety net, because at least there you're getting paid to be there and you understand everything that's happening and everything that's going on when you're home and, you know, you're dealing with everything else. It's like all background noise and it's frustrating. And it's well, for, for at the beginning, at the beginning of covid, it was the the only thing that remained the same was inside. Right. Everything outside shutting down. Restaurants are shutting down. But my and really my life, because we don't do a whole lot of things because I'm so super paranoid. Um, it didn't really change much in the beginning. Right. I mean, this, this work, work was, uh, still the same. We had to wear masks, but everything else was exactly the same. And so as the outside world's falling apart, 
It's the one I could just focus on the inside. You know, you know, it was even to the point where they're like, oh, there's a toilet paper shortage. I'm like, well, we're never going to run out of toilet paper work. So I'll just shit at work, you know, or or there's showers at work or, you know, if I if if we run out of food, I'll just eat at work. And my family, I mean, it was, you know, it was things like that. Like I, this was my spot that, you know, like in a zombie apocalypse, this is where I'm going to go. Right. So, no, you're right. It, it, It became a comfort zone for for us, you know. Yeah. And 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 those are things that before reading this book, I really didn't even I really didn't even consider how you guys are. are, I mean, I mean, we know that you're locked up with the inmates, but. Yeah, but you guys are in a cruiser for 12 and a half hours driving around. You have silence. You you bring somebody to booking. You're you're in and out in like a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But us, it's 12 and a half hours straight of nothing but um, listening, having your, you know, watching your back, watching your partner's back and you know, you're doing a hundred thousand things. You have to really be able to multitask and you have to really be able to turn off, you know, the things that are happening outside of work to focus on what's inside of work. Because if you don't, you know, it's life or death and people don't realize that yeah. and they don't even think about it. They're like, Oh no, they're just babysitters. No, we're really not. Because you know what, when I'm doing shakedowns and I'm pulling a razor out of somebody's cell, um, that threatened to kill my partner, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I don't think, I don't think folks really understand that the correctional side is, I mean, it really does take a huge toll on you after a while. I mean, you become very, very jaded, um, like Bill. I mean, yes, very, you know, and, and here's, here's what I don't, here's what people I've, I've got some feedback, Nick, from people that are like, oh, well, being a cop's tough too, or being a firefighter's tough too, or like uh, somebody was telling me the other day that, you know, grocery store, you know, being a grocery store stalker during the pandemic stuff too. And I'm like, okay, well, I hope there's somebody out there that, that is doing that. Nick, you're doing it for police. You know, hopefully there's some grocery store guy that's writing a book about that, but I don't care about any of that. Right. Because of all the things Nicole just mentioned, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told the story before, but I, I remember taking inmates to the courthouse and I, my head's on a swivel because I'm like, it's like the old Nintendo games when there are too many graphics and things started slowing down. I mean, there's ex inmates there's I'm watching my current inmates. There's people everywhere. And, and I got my back to the wall and here come these two cops busting out of the courtroom. I mean, they're just in, in a conversation with each other, just deep into each other's eyes, walking down the hallway and I'm watching the people in the hallway part for them. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like two sharks swimming down the hall and people were moving for them. I, when I walk through a housing unit, that doesn't happen. Mm. When, you know, when I'm out in public, people don't do that for me. So I never get a chance to, to relax. I never have to not watch my back. And that's what I think that's what, you know, when Nicole talks about that, it's, it's, I, I try to tell people, you know, if you, if you have that feeling where you like almost get in a car accident, where your gut tightens, where you, and then it takes you a long time to kind of calm down from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that we go through several times a night it, it, in our, in our building, you know, it, and it's, it's, it's such a hard, I mean, it's like doing an ISO set for your emotional well being. I mean, we're, we are incredibly tense, incredibly hypervigilant the whole entire shift. And I just, I wish people understood that, that I, what I'm saying and what I'm writing about doesn't take away anything that police officers do or firefighters do or dispatchers do or any of that. I, I'm just saying that, you know, hey, uh, look at us over here because we're going through some shit too. You know, yeah, and I, and you know, I talk about this all the time on the show, which is I think we need to be more realistic in the law enforcement profession. And now I, I think about the same thing with corrections, which is I think we need to be realistic about what the right retirement age or retirement year is in this profession. Twenty and out. Twenty and out, and, and I'd be. venture even to say fifteen and out. That would be fine too. Yeah, and and it's it has nothing to do with I want to do less time. It's that at the fifteen year mark, you are beyond fucking burnt out. Like you, you're a fucking emotional disaster. Your 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 PTSD is through the roof. Uh, your your off duty uh, life is just a mess. I mean, it's just a mess. Let me let me read this to you. This this guy from Michigan texted me and he said he said in Michigan there's a saying, until you have five years in, you're no good to us. After you have ten years in, you're no good to anybody else. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That's fucked up. Isn't that it true? Is. Isn't that yeah. Like Yeah. And, and it's our loved ones that kind of they really they really get penalized through the whole entire profession because 
what they fell in love with, unless you got married or, or you met somebody after you were on the job. But if you met that person before you were on the job, man, you are not the same person. Not even after, at all. Not even after a year, you're not the same person. And I know, like reading your book, I know off duty, my fuse was extremely short because on the job, it's ask, tell, and make you do, you know, like right. that's always what we've been trained for, you know? Then you come off duty and you deal with one of your kids telling you, no, they're not going to do something. And you fly off the you handle. You fly off the freaking handle because you're like, you can't tell me no. And and realistically, they can. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, until CPS gets involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's hit him with a phone book <laughs> or text message them that, uh, you know, that uh, lower the music. <laughs> Well, that's that's one of the things that I talk about is 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 we don't understand. Nobody teaches you this in the academy, right? For every day when you speak, there's going to be real consequences for people who don't listen to you. You can you you can give them for us. It's three verbal directives. If I ask you three times, you know, back up, back up, back up, then I can go hands on. It's no big deal or, you know, or whatever we're going to do. But outside when you're dealing with somebody uh, you know, in a phone company because they shut your phone off and you, you know, you paid the bill, but you're trying to get them to listen to you or your kid won't take out the track. There's no consequences. They don't have to ask. And then you're in this point where like, you don't know what to do because you don't have use of force options at home. Right. I mean, you can, you can tell them and you're already pissed off because of stuff you're dealing with at work that you aren't understanding or acknowledging. And then your kids stand and they're like, no, I'm not going to do my homework. And you're like, Wah! you know, you like yeah. freak out. And, yeah. and then you're like, you know, nobody comes home for Christmas and you can't figure out why, you know, because you've been yelling at them for 15 years, you know? Uh, all right. Well, we're going to take a, uh, we're going to take our, our first break and then we're going to come back. On a long, lonesome highway, east of Omaha. Listen to the engine's morning. Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Mike's favorite time. That's the only reason why I'm here. Stupid games. For us to play a game. This game is called What the Fuck Are They Singing? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen that don't know this game, I'm going to play a song. The guests on this show will guess the lyrics of said song. These songs have been picked, and I have researched online what the proper lyrics are. If you guess right, you win nothing. <laughs> if you guess wrong, you get nothing. So you're playing for pride, not prize. Yeah. I have no pride, so it don't matter. Right. <laughs> the winner of this game will win a free ride on a motorcycle with Mike. Oh. <laughs> it is a wow. journey that you will remember forever. You'll be on his back, hugging him. Do I got to stop playing the Mustang video every time? Yeah, play the Mustang thing again. No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Mike, 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 It's not supposed to go that fast. <laughs> All right. We're going to start off. Slow down. Slow down. Oh, we're going to start oh, off oh. super easy. Okay. Is Nicole playing too or what? She's playing too. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Thanks. Nirvana. This is a song by the one and only Nirvana. Smells like teen spirit. We're only going to require you to know the first three sentences of this song. Mike, 
you'll be up first, not expecting much from you. It's skipping. You have it fucking skipping. No, it isn't. Okay, Mike. Hello, hello, hello. Hello? That is the next couple of lyrics. What do you want me to... Mike, we're going to need the lyrics for this. The first three sentences of the song, uh, mind you, Kurt Cobain is dead, so please have some respect. All right, so what do you want me to, what, what part do you want? This whole thing. Load up your guns, bring your friends. Uh huh. Something, something, something. Oh no, I, uh, she's overboard. Something. Yeah, uh, sorry, Mike, as always. Nothing to expect from you, but. No. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I know a dirty word. Pretend. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so what are we doing? How many times are we gonna play the fucking song over? It's Bill's turn. Shut the fuck up. He knows that he's freaking singing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's singing the right words. Then he's a uh, fan of Nirvana, like we are. I am. Give me. The I like Nirvana. Three sentences. Load up your guns and bring your friends. It's fun to lose and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured. Oh no, I know a dirty word. Hello, 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 how low? Yes. And that is the correct answer. I miss answer. Kurt Cobain. I miss him too. People um, cried when he died. I know. I cried when he died, actually. Nick didn't did go to school. I went to school died. for two days. Oh. Uh, yeah. You didn't and, go to school uh, at all. Yes, I know him that long. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what else? Is him? His brains. Because Bill already got the correct lyric. So. We're going to move on to the next song, and Nicole's going to start. This is Even Flow by Pearl Jam from the album 10, which was how old Mike was when this came out. All right, Nicole. Freezing. Although when I first heard this, I thought he said freedom. Mm-hmm. It's freezing. Rests his head on a pillow made of concrete again. Oh, feeling. Maybe he'll see a little better any days. Hmm. Oh, even flow. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Ladies and gentlemen, first shot. Eddie Vedder. I'm looking for a picture of... of Okay, Mike, we're back to you again. Mike, 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 Mike. I don't know it. I don't know it. I'm looking for a picture of Eddie Vedder. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mike's favorite band. Turn around and look at the poster on your wall. (laughs) (laughs) Hootie and the Blowfish. Mike's favorite band. Mike has actually seen them 17 times in concert. Nice. Mike, this is super easy. I don't know it. I hate these fucking games. We come from different worlds. Laugh <laughs> at me when I look at us all, girl. Yeah, give it to him. That was great. And I wonder why. I'm right. your baby when dolphins make me cry. Mike, can I get the first three? Only want to be with you. I only want to be with you. Three sentences. Mike? I, don't know, I just sang it. What the fuck? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, nothing for Mike. Bill, I'm going to play it for uh. you. 
Are you going to play it for me again? Yeah, of course. Are you? Oh. I sang the freaking song. I, that should sing be good enough. He, I, he sang the song, and I've already Googled the lyrics, so I'd be cheating. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to say anything. What the hell's wrong? Oh, you? wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm such a baby cause oh. it offered me a cry. All right, so next song, we're gonna start off with Bill. Bill, do oh. not look this up. Okay. <laughs> this is disturbed. Yes, I can't tell the difference. Kid who can't tell the difference and get stupefied. I've been waiting my whole life for just one rock. I don't know. Rock. I don't know. It. Okay, you don't know. Stupefied coming back again. I didn't even know what he says at the end. I don't either. I'm just making it up. It sounded well, good. It sounded close. Paul, do you know? I've been waiting my whole life for just one rock. One tiny little something rock. You keep saying rock. I'm like I don't give up. In my mind, for the game. You know what? what the? F- if you just right. sing everything like Eddie Vedder, you got, it sounds like you know the words. One. It's, he's talking about. Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life. with my normal reality. I. All right. I mean, just one. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say that you don't give up? Fuck. Oh, Mike's got a picture with him yeah. and Eddie Vedder. Okay. Nice. Aww. I knew you had a picture of him somewhere. I was at the Wax Museum also. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I have one. If we're doing Wax Museum, I have me and uh, B- Notorious Big, uh, B.I.G. Hanging. Oh, baby, baby. Mike, I'm going to give you the last one so that you can redeem yourself. Are you ready? I'm not going to know it. Go ahead. Oh, this is super easy. Come on. I found this one for you. I crashed my bike the other day. <laughs> What's the working for this? If you're traveling to the North Country Fair. Come on, Mike. Where the wind is heavy. I don't know this shit. You sure do. This was the one when your scout leader touched you. Remember me. Remember I don't want to bring back those memories. He doesn't he remember like, the words. He was too focused on the guy's eyes. <laughs> hey, I saw you staring at me. While hey, I, I didn't blink. I didn't blink. I got a bear badge that day. I saw you staring at me while I was playing my guitar. Got his whittling, uh, whittling merit badge. You want to whittle? Come here. Did you see this merit badge? Mm. Looks like a balloon knot. It's like the brown. Yeah. What's that merit badge with the eyes bulging out? That's when I pop my cherry. (laughs) Mike? Anything? The way I remember being touched. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, that game was a colossal failure. Yeah, of course it was. You should have done, if you would have done House of Pain, I would have been able to do the whole thing. Oh, my God. House of Pain. Uh, we could all do it. <laughs> oh my God! How's the I used to do my when when I go karaoke, I pull out. I always do Naughty by Nature, OPP, uh, jump See? on the tables and and just have a just have a blast. Really, anything nineties uh, hip hop, late eighties, early nineties hip hop, I'm good to go. Um, <laughs> I could just picture Bill back in the day. Just 20 pounds lighter, that's it. When his soul was able to grow flour. <laughs> before that jaded. Nikes. Nike Cortez. <laughs> yeah, before your soul. to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't tear a sack up. Punk, you better back up. Try to play the role and you'll the whole crew will act up. You know yeah. something I just thought of, my, uh, Bill? Um <laughs> So you're I can't a, remember my kid's birthday, but I remember the House of Pain lyrics from 1992. <laughs> what's the what's the pod? What's the name of your podcast with your your co-host? Uh, the Ten Nine Podcast. Okay, you calling your friend and leaving voicemails 
makes me die laughing every friggin' time. And I would like those too. Do you want me? Okay, I'll leave you some voice. I will purposely send you to voicemail because you No, I, I sent you some shit while you were on patrol. You did, and I still have them. But but Bill <laughs> sings musicals in his voicemail. And it's <laughs> fucking hysterical. Every time I listen to his podcast and they talk about it, fucking hilarious. Well, it's because he never answers my phone call, so I have to do shit like that. Yeah, it was the same thing. I would call Nick, and I'm like, yo, I haven't talked to him in like a couple weeks. I'm like, this motherfucker puts me right to voicemail. So I'd get on, and I'd be like, um, hey, daddy, um, I'm just wondering when you're going to get off. And they just totally just, every time, just, just fuck with him. And nothing. Still, no returns. Nothing. But I saved them all. I saved Did them you, all. You got to play, play some of them. I'll have to play them. Um, but but Bills are, are absolutely fine. And your co-host is hysterical because he's just... Oh, thank you. I'll tell him. He feel, He sounds how my soul feels. <laughs> yeah. Like, if my soul was a voice, it would be his. Like, it's, and it's, like, not, like, it's like doing a podcast with my dad is what it's like. He... He like seems like he doesn't want to be there, but he does want to be there. And I love that because it's just like it sounds like you like threw him in a van and brought him over to your house. <laughs> well, and, that's, it's, so you so you so uh, like a year ago, he come and I was when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was like, I'm going to do this Facebook live thing and stuff. And I'm like, I think I'm going to do a podcast. And he goes, no, nah. he goes, I, he's like, I don't even know what a podcast is. Don't worry about that. Well, then we we always have these shift briefing things where because I relieve him and we have these 30 minutes where we just do this. And I'm like, you know what? We should record this. And so he, yeah, he acts like he doesn't want to be a part of it. Uh, but deep down, he loves it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that's the one that my daughter did your opening for. And he, he's like, who is that? How old is she? <laughs> creep. That's my daughter. What's wrong yeah. with we get so much. And she did such an awesome job on that. The, the, the text, I'm sure you read the text that I, well, I sent it to you, but this is exactly how I wanted her to read it. And it came back just so perfect. Like somebody who was just totally put out, totally pissed off, does not want to be here. And it just rolls right in. She and, did it 12 uh, times, 12 fucking <laughs> times. And I was like, great job. After the second one, I was like, it's good. She goes, no, 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 no. I want to record it again. And then uh, out of the blue, like last week, she's like, hey, I want to re-record your open, my opening. And she was like, I want to say some more to your commanders. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's like, I think you've said quite enough. Right. <laughs> they got the message, sweetheart. <laughs> she, no, she, she did a good job. I'm I'm very appreciative of uh, of her effort on that. That was it's great. There's a lot of comments on her her doing the intro, her disdain for actually being a part of it. Uh, yeah, it just comes off perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. So you're still doing the Saturday Night Synopsis, right? Yeah, I took a little bit of I took a break uh, over the holidays, and I did you know 26 or 27 episodes of it, and uh, and then sometimes you know life gets a little bit busy. But I got some guests lined up for after the new year, and we're gonna get back into it. Um, it you know, it's it, it, when you when you deal with such a subject like you know, trauma, suicide, mental health all the time. I mean, I needed a break, man. It was like all, all my research, all my reading, everything was about, you know, killing yourself. And I was like, I need, I need to watch fucking comedy or something. Well, and, and, and I could relate to that because, uh, as, as Nicole is staring at me is that's what my life was for the first year with the roll call room. And then there was so much drama that was happening behind the scenes that it was, it was, destroying it like the one thing that was supposed to be to help people was destroying my my life like destroying my personal life too and then like this cafe saved my life like it it, it saved a lot of things um and uh it's good to see that there's life after the job and you know it's in coffee and um you know it's good it's really good um and i still have mike around or at least one of them it's been almost 20 years i think we're stuck with him yeah, as much as I try and shake them. I enjoyed the episode where you guys, you had the the wives on. It was you two and then the wives and you guys were telling stories, of, you know, about your your relationship from, you know, from years. But that was that was a great episode. Yeah, we're going to do another we're going to do another spouses episode soon because um, that one got a lot of positive reviews. 
Uh, it'd be good to have all all three. Uh, you, Mike, and yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Has your wife ever done anything, Bill? Uh, uh, podcast wise, no. Oh, oh dude, did. yeah. Gotta make this happen. Oh, I got to see what's behind the Bill Young. <laughs> I got look at his face. He's yeah, face. he's turning red. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's because I can't breathe. My shirt's too tight. No, uh, no, I don't. I'll ask her. She's she. The last time I talked to her about it, so for a long time it was no. The last time I talked to her about it, I got a maybe. So we're we're getting there. We should do a a trifecta of uh, all three spouses and everything. And I think she would do it if she was in good company. So I think it'll be good. Sure. Any any opportunity to blast me on a, on a platform, <laughs> yeah. that'd, be, that'd be perfect. Mike, Mike uh, we'll talk about it when, my, when Bill's not on. But I think if he agrees to this, why don't we do it naked? Oh, my God. <laughs> you and me naked. As soon as the camera comes on, <laughs> I'm just mortified. Just yeah, like, but the whole thing would be ten doll. He built like a Ken doll. The whole thing real? would be, you would we would agree to it, and then I would be the only one naked. You'd be like, no, I was, that was the idea. I was just that joking. Was, yeah, that idea. was pretty. That much was the idea. I was just gonna wear a shirt that's like like the skin shirt. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, I'm singing, I'm singing like Happy Birthday, Mr. President. Nice. So, Bill, uh, it has been an absolute pre- pleasure, and we'll have to have you on again. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on. Again, I want to tell you guys, you need to check out The Nothing That Never Happened. Uh, it's Bill's book. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. I'm going to put it up uh, as the cover for our um for this episode so you get to actually see what the cover is and i'm also going to put a link in the description uh so do bill a favor and go pick up his book um and i'm telling you you're not going to be disappointed mike is there anything that you would like to add to the um to the general order you're just gonna cut me off so no (laughs) you know him too well no 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 it all serious hold on hold on let me get serious for a second Uh. I realized over the holidays, um, I had a lot of reflecting to do on Christmas and, uh, my kids are older. So, you know, Christmas isn't what it used to be anymore. And I realized that, uh, you know, maybe I've been unfair to you and, and <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Um, you're still going to get, when I see you, bro, you're going to get punched in the face. I just wanted to tell you that I appreciate you picking up the slack on this show and coming on. Did you see? Did you see that that commercial? Where not the commercial, the YouTube clip where the guy hits the uh, other guy with a twisted tea. Yo, I'm gonna grab a bag of coffee and smack you with the bag of coffee. <laughs> anyway, Mike, I appreciate everything that you've done this year, um, and I wanted to say thank you so much for everything. And I always cut you off. And it's only fair that I end this episode, which is the last episode of the year, with you saying or doing whatever you want to do, whatever message you want to give all the fans. So I'm, my, good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good because there's something coming. There's something coming. So there's I'm good. nothing coming, Mike. Just this is uh, next. You know it. it out. You know no. it. No way. You know it, Mike. Love you, everybody. We and love you too, Mike. That's it. That's it. You have an open forum. No, I'm good, bro. You're just going to do something. It's for better 2021. Hey, folks, I'm so excited about this brand new sponsor, Ferocious Beard Company. This company is fantastic. They have a lot of great assortments of beard wax, wash, and oils. They've got apparel. They've got soaps. They've got a whole bunch of different things. Go to ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off. I absolutely love their products. I'm telling you, I've used a lot of different beard products. Mike and I have been searching for a beard company for a long time as a sponsor, and we finally found the best company out there, which is Ferocious Beard Company. And they're out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, okay? Go on ferociousbeard.com. Use promo code Roll Call Room and you get twenty percent off. Girl, you knew the night before. Your dog is catching. But your thoughts will soon be wandering. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from break. Uh, we are here with uh, Bill Young and Nicole and um, Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it? Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike. Contributing a lot to the show, as always. I like to listen. Mike. Lower the music. Lower the music. But in all seriousness, um, that's why I wanted to have Bill on. And I want to say, again, the nothing that never happened. Uh, Bill, of course, they can get this on Amazon, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, where else can they get it? Uh, if you know me, you can get it from me uh, from my backpack. But uh, I'm selling them out of the trunk of my car with some oh. uh, VHS tapes too. Bloodsport, old Jean Claude Van Damme movies. I got VHS oh, and, and then my yeah. book as well. So yeah, no, they're just uh, just strictly on Amazon. I self published this one, um, so I so I could have all the the control over how to market it and and what to do with it. So um, you know, good idea. Yeah, that's what I did. It's good. It's good to have control over your uh, your stuff, where you distribute it, and all that stuff. Um, what's the name of the first book? Uh, when Home Becomes a Housing Unit. Mm. I love that title. Mm-hmm. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Um, I read that at work in one night. Are you getting a lot of emails from from folks about the book? Like uh, I do. But yeah, yeah, I, I, the- I do, and and it that's what makes it all worth it. Right. Because you, cause when you, and you know, whether you do, you're doing a podcast or you, you paint or you write a book, you, you send this, this emotional piece of you out into the world. And then you just sit there and wait and you're like, everybody hates it. I'm a failure. This doesn't make any sense. And then you, you know, you'll get an email and you'll get somebody that says, Hey man, uh, this, you was like, you're writing about me and I appreciate it. And yeah, I just, it makes it, makes it super worth it. And it just reinforces for me why I do what I do, because there's so many of us out there that it resonates with. Um, and it really helps drown out the, uh, you know, the naysayers, the, 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 the tough guys and girls that say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Bill. This doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. Well, what I found too is, is when you write, when you write a book and then when you know somebody that gives you feedback or, or, well, good feedback is always good. Uh, but when you know the person and then they like message you or they call you and they're like, hey, really, really good. And that's why when I finished the book, I wasn't even off the train when I text you. And I'm sure you were sleeping, um, but I had to I had to blast it to you because I've been there. I've been there where you write a book and you put it out and you're like, fuck, I don't know. I just don't know. And, um, you know, it's good, especially when you send a friend your book like mm-hmm. I send out a lot of free books, like a lot of free books. Um, yeah, Mike, don't, don't start that shit because I, you, I, just, in the mail. I, I just texted you. Motherfucker. you? Um, oh, you did? Uh. So waiting on my book. Yes. <laughs> I, I will get you a tracking number before the end yeah. of the, uh, before the, end of the yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, okay. Thanks. And, and Bill, I sent you out um, a, a book with some coffee. So I'm excited about that. You should be getting that uh, two day air. And um, I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy it. And I gave you the new gold foil book. Nice. Those are a limited edition book. Okay. You know the best, the best uh, uh, kind of coolest little compliment I ever got about my book was I w- when I moved in, um, I gave a copy of my book to my neighbors, and because they were excited because one of the other neighbors said, "Hey, a police officer's moving next to you." And then when they met me, I said, "No, I'm a correctional officer." They were kind of like, "Oh, you know, like disappointed." <laughs> oh. So, so I said. Uh, so I gave him a copy of my book and I said, Hey, here's what I do. And here's kind of, you know, my focus and stuff. And, and so we were sitting on the porch, you know, just, it was a few months later and they had never said, Hey, we read your book or anything. And, uh, but we were sitting on the porch and my wife always gives me shit when I'm just sitting there and I'm just spacing off. Right. When I don't want to participate in whatever conversation is going on, it's just because I just, I just blank out, you know? And, and uh, so she's giving me shit and my neighbor's like, no, he's not being antisocial. He's just trying to process all the things that he, you know, that he has at work and that he writes about and stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, that's you read my book. Thank you. You know, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of cool. I, I get that with uh, with my book, like when my friends, uh, the very few that I have read the book <laughs> and uh, then they call me and they don't understand that the book is a year 
passed. Are you like okay? A, yeah, yeah. Like so, they read the first chapter, and they're just like, you talk? "Oh hug? my god, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yes, yeah. I, I don't know if you got through the first chapter, but I made it. Right, I did. right. I don't want to give away the ending, but I'm still here. I'm still here. It's, it's like the Titanic. You're hoping that there's a different ending. <laughs> like, uh, and then they, then they, go, then they're like. I wish I would have known. I would I would have helped you. I would have saved. And I'm like, just like I would have sent you. I did know you. It wouldn't have mattered. My mom took it the worst though. Like when my mom read my book, she was just like, Oh my God. I yeah, like, I mean it's yeah. tough. It's how do you how do you tell people that that care about you, that love you, that you're not okay? I mean, I mean, you, you say, Hey, I know that you love me and that you do anything for me, but nothing you do is gonna help. So just, you know, mind your business. I mean, what do you how do you tell somebody <laughs> that, you know? Yeah, it's it's tough. And I think I think they're conditioned like we're conditioned about ask like you hear the suicide word and automatically people want to change the subject. Oh, freak just, out. Yeah. They freak the fuck out. And they're just like, you know, they don't know what to say. And, and their immediate answer in what we all do in this profession is, well, why don't you just leave? Right. They don't understand what that, yeah, just quit. And what they don't understand. And I found this out when I left the profession and I started looking for a job. A lot of the shit that you do, all these certifications that you have, all these cool certificates that you have, they don't translate to shit right. in the private sector. Like I ran an entire city shift as a sergeant. Fucking the whole city. I couldn't even get a fucking interview at Target. You know, like it doesn't convert prevention. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like uh yeah, you're overqualified. Like what? Like it, it just it was it was very, very eerie, which is is if you're in this profession and you're taking training. Look at the training that's going to help you when you retire or if you decide that this is not for you. Get something that transfers. Like technology-wise is always a good move. Cybersecurity, uh, all that kind of stuff is really, really good uh, as far as training. So if you're a young buck under five years, start looking at training at the Academy for Cybersecurity, um, social media uh, investigations, those kind of things. Uh, Facebook is always hiring. Instagram is always hiring. They're the same company, but uh, they're always hiring. You, Uber is another one. Uber hires uh, retired cops. Um, I don't know why, but they do. Um, so um, definitely something that you should look into if you're listening to this. That's why I tell people that people, you know, the message me and say, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm going back to school. Uh, I want to get in, you know, I'm a correction officer. I want to do, I'm going to get my bachelor's in criminal justice. I'm like, don't get your bachelor's in something. It will translate if you number one need to quit or when you retire. Cause I've watched so many people get to retirement age and they just stand there. I mean, it's, it's so crazy how institutionalized we get. And essentially, I've done nothing for the last 15, 20 years, but be in jail. I'm, I'm a glorified mm-hmm. inmate when I get out. Nothing I do in there, like you said, translates stouts. Nobody cares about that because they have no idea what's going on. So so if you're going to educate yourself and pursue that, then do, like like Nick said, do something else. Do, do yeah. something because, because most correctional facilities only, you know, if they require a degree for promotion, they don't care what that degree is in. They just mm-hmm. want you to have associates or bachelor. Do it so you can get out and do something else. Yeah, I'm 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 one credit away from night school for being a penis enlargement doctor. <laughs> so I'm super pumped about that. Oh, nice. And, Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to grow my profession. Uh, you worked so super hard on that one. I worked super hard. Um, the other day it was raining. I got wet. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Wine is not amused. So, um... <laughs>